common English Bible. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you receive from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the spirit with the peace that ties you together. You are one body and one spirit, just as God also called you in one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. So good to be with you this morning. So we're called to unite. Look around. You're called to unite with one another. But you know, you know, I know you know this, you know that moving forward together unified in our conflict-soaked, deeply divided world is a tall order, isn't it? So my question here this morning for you, for us, is can we unite in love? Can we unite in love in the world, in the church? Unity is today's topic, both for the message and then also in the scripture. And I want to assure you, I've been thinking about this. I think there is one thing that we are all united in. There is one person that we don't like very, very much. And this person has been winning so much. It's been so annoying. I don't even know what to tell you. Do you know who it is? It's this guy right here. I don't like Tom Brady. At all. And I think most of us, most of the country could, could agree in their disdain for the New England Patriots and that guy right there. You thought I was going somewhere different. I saw some people all puckered up. It was great. But you don't, you don't, you don't, here's the thing. You don't have to know Tom Brady and you actually don't have to know the New England Patriots to grasp how unity and division works. Not now, hear me, hear me, unity and division, right? Because we are people living in the United States of America, right? And we are part of the United Methodist Church, both of which have huge unity around division and polarization and discord. And I'm going to recite some phrases, might make some of you uncomfortable, but I'll do it from both ends so you'll be all right, that you'll immediately kind of be able to, to grab onto this. Okay, Ready? See if you know these. Lock her up. Unity around division. Never Trump. Unity around division. Now let's move into the United Methodist world here for a moment. For those of you that don't know what's going on in the United Methodist world, talk to me after if you don't understand any of this. Traditional marriage. Come over here. Gay marriage and ordination of folks who are LGBTQ. Unity around division. Now, we can find unity there in those places because it's a simple kind of unity. Like the unity I have with other New England and Tom Brady haters. It's a similar type of unity. 
But that's not what we want as a church. In our visioning process, we heard from you over these last 16 months that you want Hyde Park to be a different kind of church with a different kind of response to broken world, our broken world. And it's because of our belief in Jesus Christ, we can be a community who loves all people with all different kinds of perspectives by the power of the Holy Spirit. So our, th- our vision plan has a number of different foci, and one of them is deeper. We talked about that two weeks ago, about going deeper in, in Christ um, through spiritual practice. We talked about last week, we talked about widen, widen our love for all. And this, this time, it's about unite. And this is what um, it says. This is not going to show up. This is in the vision plan. It says, there is a desire to work towards unity with one another in the wild, wider world. How? Centering on our common humanity and our commitment to Christ rather, rather than on what can divide us. So here's our key verse. It's in your, in your uh, insert. It says this. Make an effort to preserve the unity of the spirit with the peace that ties you together. Paul is calling us not to unity in division, but something different, what he's calling the unity of the Spirit. So my question to you that I hope we're able to answer by the end of the time, is the unity of the Spirit possible with such diverse thought? I bet if I talk to some people over here about pick a divisive issue in the world, I don't care what it is, I bet you'd be different than some other people. I bet you might have some different beliefs about, I don't know, gay marriage, polity, gun, gun control, what a, abortion, whatever, death penalty, whatever it is, right? But as the church, can we move forward in unity with a diversity of thought? Paul says yes, absolutely yes, and he offers a framework. And it's a fragile journey sometimes, but it's, it's what we're called to. It's what we're called to as Christians. So I want you to hear this though. Doesn't mean we're gonna agree on everything. Doesn't mean, but what it does mean is we keep the center, the center. And that's what this letter is trying to get the Ephesians to do. Now remember the Ephesians, these are small little churches, right? 30, 40 people maybe. And, and, And Paul's trying to get them to keep the center, the center. Now, weird tidbit, don't need to remember this. This is the only letter that Paul wrote that no one's name's given, number one. And number two, there's no specific conflict that he names in the church. The only one. But ironically, what's kind of cool about it is it deals with this tension head on. This letter could have easily been written to the United Methodist delegates in the United Methodist Church, to us, or at Hyde Park here today, just like it was written 2,000 years ago. Because their controversy mirrors our controversy. What's the controversy? Tribalism. Either or thinking only. Now, it shouldn't be a surprise to you or me, or us, that in the first century, just like now, Christians had some disagreements about some important kind of stuff, 
right? Then it was Jewish Christian against Gentile Christian. The Jewish Christians experienced Jesus first. They heard all about it. They had all these food laws, rituals, and these important things that they did. And then they had some new folks, Gentile Christians, who they thought should be doing the same thing, including don't eat with these people, eat this kind of thing, and P.S., you need to be circumcised to be a Jesus follower. That's just some examples of how they were circling the wagons, and Paul is responding to all these different things, writing, saying, no, 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 that's not it, that's not it, right? For us, I think, the dividing and unifying camps revolve around, and I don't love these labels, around what we call conservative and progressive, right? We have some differing views on scripture and what our lenses are when we read it, interpret, and maybe abortion and gay marriage and immigration and the death penalty and all these different issues. We have differences that we see these things. But I want you to picture something for a moment. Picture Picture the church with different views on some of these being able to be together, unified on the main thing. Is it possible? Yes, I I believe it is. Paul is telling them, just like he's telling us, that there's a way forward through these divisive kind of places. We can journey toward Unity, and this is what verse 3 says again, and I want to ferret something out there. Make an effort, right? I made an effort to keep working out at the beginning of the year. It did not go well. And make an effort, that word that's used in the CEB is endeavoring in the King James, and that doesn't even do it justice. If you look up the original word, the word that captures Paul's sentiment is Spaldazio, that. And it means to make haste. It means to exert oneself, to give diligence to. Our call to unity of the Spirit as Christians, we need to exert ourselves. We need to make haste to hold what is at the center and what we hold in common. I'm not saying that we shouldn't assert our perspectives especially when we think justice is at hand i'm not saying that at all i have very strong feelings about some of the things that i talk to you about that i have based mine in scripture in and you might have differing views and i'd be i love talking about that stuff but that's not what's at the center so listen to how paul reminds us to start with our commonalities and what ought to hold us together at the, at the radical center of everything. And, and go ahead and throw this up on the screen. So I want to read this together. And you say the word one when it comes up. And I'll read the rest. Ready? You are one. body and one. spirit just as God also called you in one. hope. There is one. Lord, one. faith, one. baptism. God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. One is our common denominator, which is Jesus Christ. One faith and baptism anchor us in love. You see, 
as Christians, as people trying to follow the way in Jesus, we experience this forgiveness of our brokenness and also our blessing of who we were made to be. God made us in the image and calls us to the likeness. That's what we hold. Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. All of us, you, mean people aligned with our perspectives and people who aren't. That oneness is the heartbeat of the church, the body of Christ. And we must spaldazio to preserve it. Now, some of you might not know that there's a special general conference going on with the United Methodist Church. Some of you just come to the church for the whole, you think this is like another language. It is. But uh, there's, they're meeting next week to talk about um, the issue of homosexuality and ordination and gay marriage and things like that. It's a big issue. And I have my own personal, very um, uh, passionate views. But I want you to know that what's at the center is Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for me. That's what's at the center. And I have friends who are, have different perspectives, different pastors that I'm friends with, and we, I want to stay one. I want to stay one. Um, so how do we do that? Paul, actors, uh, Paul offers some practical guidance on how to do it, how to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, and this is going to be your homework because you don't want me to uh, go through all of this. It'll take too long. But um, I, I want to invite you to read chapter 4, which is what we're in, verses 25 through 32. And we're going to review really quickly the eight principles that you'll find in them. They're straight out of the Bible. You can talk with somebody you disagree with about um, you know, politics, church stuff, family discord, whatever. You could choose to write these down or you could just read them yourself later. So here they are. They're going to appear on the screen. Number one, speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. It doesn't mean we don't speak the truth when we feel very convicted and passionate about something. So we got to speak the truth. That's verse uh, 25. Now, this is something that we could all deal with, right? Watch your anger. Watch your anger. Anger is a natural and normal emotion. It's actually pretty good when we went to get some stuff changed because it's a big motivating factor, right? But what we do with it, how we channel it, the way that we use that anger to change, we have to be careful about that. Number three, if you like to write on Facebook or other social media forms, you, you, you shouldn't steal anyone's dignity, okay? We can disagree passionately without stealing people's dignity. Don't go to the United Methodist Clergy Facebook page. I would recommend because they are stealing each other's dignity on that page. Four, practice empathy. Try to understand where the other person is coming from. That's verse 28. Watch your language. Here's number six. Guard your heart. Talked about this a number of weeks ago. If you're going on political things or watching things that are getting you all whooped up, whether it's MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, none of the above. I mean, if you're, if, you're, if you're diving into things that are polluting your soul, stop it. Do something else. Be kind and compassionate. And last, the hardest, forgive and ask for forgiveness. So you don't think this is all de- idealistic because I can see some of you kind of scrunch facing in your mind. Yeah, right. This sounds great. This sounds great. I want to offer a real life example. Meet these guys right here. 
You might recognize them. Anyone know who they are? Who is it? Dan Cathy. Anyone know who Dan Cathy is? COO of Chick-fil-A. Does anyone know who the other guy is? Shane Windmeyer. He's the founder and executive director of Campus Pride for LGBTQ. Look pretty friendly right there, right? They, are, they always weren't that friendly, I can tell you that. So Dan Cathy, uh, a number of years ago, came out and said some things about traditional marriage and uh, when gay marriage and all that was going through the deal and there was lots of controversy, blah, blah, blah. Shane is an advocate for, um, obviously, those issues. He reached out to Dan, challenged him, also challenged Chick-fil-A and some of the funding streams that they were giving to some organizations that were profoundly anti-gay. And so that led to some phone calls between the two of them. And then that led to some face-to-face conversations between the two of them. And that led to a friendship. Both of them got flack. Where do you think they got flack from? Their own tribe. Right? So here's an excerpt of uh, Shane being interviewed by somebody. It says, the question was, they asked him, how did you do this? How did it work, right? This is what he said. Shane said, it started around trying to find some common ground and then building what I think is an authentic relationship from there. So the reporter says this. Do you, did, you, did you have the flat-out conversation, Dan? Did you ask Dan, why are you against same-sex marriage? Did he talk to you, your husband about it? I mean, how did that go? This is what Shane said. Now, Shane's a Christian, remember. You know, Dan has been very open. He's been respectful. He's been very kind. I learned a lot about Dan and his faith and what he considers to be Christian. And Dan actually calls himself a Christ-like follower and he has characterized our relationship as a blessing of growth. And I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting because I have great respect for my faith and I have great respect for Dan's. I think that's what we need more of in this country. Really getting away from the diversive rhetoric around gay, lesbian, bisexual, and trans people and focus on the things that matter. In this relationship, our friendship matters. Spaldazio. That's what it looks like. These two guys seemed to utilize Paul's Eight principles in Ephesians 4. And you know what? No matter what happens next week, which I don't think, I don't know what's going to happen, but whatever happens, we're going to spaldazio. We're going to keep the center the center, and we're going to love everybody, no matter what. No matter what. That's how we'll do making God's love real. We want you to be a part of it. We believe in you. Paul tells us to live a life worthy of our calling. And your calling is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor, yes, people different than you as yourself. So to close out our sermon as a way of praying for next week, I'm gonna ask us to do something that uh, we did back in uh, uh, last summer, I think, uh, the point of view conversations. And it's a question for you to think about. And how would you complete this statement? It's going to appear on the screen. Um, The church I long for is. 
okay? The church I long for is. And so we're going to have a little bit of moment of silence, and then I'm going to walk around and you're going to call it out loud. We're going to record these. Because here's the deal. You see these kids sitting in the front row here? See these kids? Our unity and our focusing on what the center is is going to ensure that the church is here for their kids and their grandkids. Our spadazio is important together. Let's pray. God, we pray for our church, both the United Methodist Church and all churches of every single denomination and persuasion. But we pray that we might focus Spaldazio together. We envision a church. We want it to be yours, God. Show us the way. Amen. The church I long for, what is it? Love. Open-minded inclusiveness. Welcoming, warm, kind, committed to Jesus, accepting as I am. What'd she say up front? You can say it. Shout it. Hi. Welcoming. Say again. Not about me. Peaceful. Empathetic. God loving. Supportive, tolerant, agape, authentic, what was the other one? Fun, spirit seeking, Rob, nailed it, one more, say again, community, we are going to record all of these from all the services, it's going to be a part of our vision together, and we'll do it together, moving forward, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We give back to God our our gifts, all the gifts that you give fund the ministries of the church, and we are grateful for your generosity.